back to the episode of Living Beyond Limits, where we wind down and level up Beyond Limits together. Okay. So, this uh, is our first episode with a guest. With a guest. And this is J.U. So, J.U., would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm J. With the U. And it's spelled J-E-H-U. And I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an author. I work in a call center. That's, you know, and I have CP. That's, that's one of the reasons I'm on the show. Not the only reason, but one of the reasons I'm on the show. And this is the first time in history that I'm with two people. That's three people in this room that have CP. So, it's a new, new occasion. Well, thank you for sharing some background about yourself. So, we just have a couple of questions just to kind of get the conversation started. And whatever else you want to share, but the question is always welcome. Um, so, name some challenges and some and successes you've experienced in your life. Just regular challenges or we talking CP? Any or both. Successes. I got married. So wonderful woman named Jewel. How you doing, Jewel? I do. So you can see the podcast. Hey, Jewel. Right? Um, successes, as I told Therese, you know, having a job is a success. So I take the success like that. And challenges. Life is a challenge. But with CP, it's a little bit different. Every day is a little bit different. You wake up, you feel good. And then you go outside, you step outside, you might not feel so good. Can I ask? So I know you work from home. Yep. How is it working from home? It's great. It's great. And anybody who thinks that working from home is not good, you're wrong. It's great. <laughs> and we do do work. We do. We're right next to our bed. We do lie down in our bed sometimes, but we're still working. And we do it better than most. So I like working from home. How long have you been working from home? Over ten years. Oh. In different fields. I think we all wish we could be working from home that long. I was working from home before <laughs> COVID, people, and gotten work done. So it's possible. It's possible. It's, it's possible. possible. Um, okay, next question. How did you meet your partner? I met my partner in college. I knew her from, I'm going to date myself here, but from 2000. And I knew her for 11 years before we got involved. So y'all were friends for a long time? Yeah, we were friends. Friends first for a long time. Mm -hmm. A lot of conversations, a lot of debating. Still going. Up and down, but still going. Yep. Do you think that makes the marriage um, easier to be friends with? Yes. Because there's a joke that uh, Chris Rock says, something like you got, before he got slapped. It's like you got to know the crust of a person, the crumbs of a person. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times we know the bread, mm -hmm. but we don't know the crust. Like, she was friends for a long time, so then she got to know the crust. And uh, she's still around. So. How long have you ever been? Uh, about five years. Uh, okay. And, like, where did you guys meet? Like, was it in, like, school? It was in meet college. It was in college. We were in a class together. I think it was a history class together. And um, another friend introduced us. And, you know, we was friends ever since. And we were chill. I think we were dating each other even when we weren't dating. Like, we weren't dating anybody. We were just friends hanging out. So, now looking back, it was like, what? You know. Next question. Uh, do you feel that others make assumptions of, of your relationship? 
with the CP or just a regular? Everybody's gonna make assumptions, but with the CP, I think they make a lot of assumptions that may be in and out of bounds. But for the people making assumptions, they might think it's just natural. Some people come in for help, some people come in because they're nosy. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, in the beginning, it was more than it was now. Like, when I say beginning, I mean, like, when we're deep. What kind of, what, what were, like, you said, it, you said it was different. So, like, what kind of things were different in the beginning versus now? I'm, there's no assumptions. We're married. So, it's like, hey, we locked up, you know, got some rings, everything. Uh, I think assumptions in the beginning, and I'm only talking about, okay, um, what you were calling the regular people? So the, the able-bodied able people? Body. I don't think if you're in a fully, uh, we said able-bodied <laughs> relationship. I'm like, you got to use your words. I got to use your <laughs> words, right? I don't think you get asked the same questions that you normally get asked. I'm not necessarily saying it's not even family. It could just be even associates just being around. Family is always going to say, oh, yeah, you see the right thing, care. So I say, care, you blah, blah, blah. They're going to say the, the Disney stuff. But then there's some other stuff that sometimes you, in your head you wonder if it's like, are they asking me because of my situation or are they asking me in general? Mm-hmm. Especially if you never heard anybody else get asked those same questions when you're around, you know? Yeah. So, um, it's an ups and downs, but people make assumptions. Sometimes they're an ass, sometimes you're the ass. You know, sometimes I'm the ass, so you know what it is. Mm-hmm. You, you said um, able-bodied, the phrase that Charisse, you said it was Charisse's phrase. It was Charisse's phrase, not my phrase. <laughs> can, can I ask if it's okay how you feel about that phrase? I don't like the phrase. The okay. phrase is... I, first of all, I shouldn't say I just don't like it. I didn't understand the phrase. And when I heard the phrase, that phrase, and what's the other one? Interabled relationship. Mm-hmm. It made me feel like I need to go get my coupon, my discount. <laughs> like, what am I getting for that? You know? Yeah. Like, I'm just in a relationship and I didn't worry about the rest, you know? Mm-hmm. But I'm going to give you a better example that I didn't get. Right? Mm-hmm. So, we watch all these romantic comedies. You see the nerd get strong and get to the girl. Like, is this girl out of your league type of thing? That's more of a relationship and everybody goes through that, you know? So that's how I think of my this woman out of my league. That's how I, I think about it, you know? Like, I build up to it. Like, everybody has some kind of insecurity. So when I heard the body stuff, I'm like, so when my wife gets old and God forbid, you know, and something happens, or now are we both in a not able-bodied situation? You know, like, I just didn't... I didn't understand the word. I know everybody likes these categories. I'm not discriminating against categories, but I'm just saying when I heard it first, I just didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I understand. I understand your point. Yep. I like this glass, by the way. <laughs> yes, these are our new glasses, or one type of glass we have. As I look. Yeah, yeah I like it. Look right there. It's definitely for you. Mm-hmm. And the drink in here is pretty good too. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Next question. Who has made the most influence in your life and why? Uh, it's not just one person, it's a influence of people. And I have to keep it that way. Obviously, like my mom and my grand aunt, uh, Trevor and Ann, those are my cousins. My friends, of course. Um, 
and of course my wife, you know, but it's a confluence of things as I reach different stages, it was different people, your parents are going to motivate you, your family motivates you in another way, then you get, you know, a little bit older, somebody else motivates you, then you get a significant other, they motivate you, and uh, so I just can't name one specific person, mm-hmm. oh yeah, and I know some people are going to say I got to name God, me and G's do. <laughs> we have our little rough relationship at times but like everybody else but we're you know we're good so i'll just say it's a plethora of people don't worry uncle ronald i'm calling you out too just in case you watch this you know <laughs> and i'll tell them when the rest everybody you know what what's like something they instilled in you that helped you kind of move through life so they try to instill confidence whether i had it or not that was a different story. Mm-hmm. So they try to instill confidence. They were always trying to be motivating, um, all in all spectrums. So that's that's what I would say. They just kept me going. Next question. I guess because we're mental health professionals, we have to ask the question. Wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> when you say you ask the question, I gotta take a sip. You said mental health professionals. Okay, yes. <laughs> How do you take care of your mental health? I listen to Linkin Park. Okay. What's, what's helpful about Linkin Park? As I get older, I start understanding the lyrics. It starts making a lot more sense to me. Uh, sadly, the lead singer died, but one of their last songs, uh, Heavy, they say they don't like their mind right now. And if they could just let things go, it would be so much better or something mm-hmm. like that in the lyrics. And I'm starting to understand that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I go back all the way to like their first album and they're like one step closer from the edge. And I remember that, you know, mm-hmm. not that I was like an aggressive person, but I just felt like, you know, yeah, this is just one step, mm-hmm. you know, as we're going through adolescence, trying to understand ourselves, plus, mm-hmm. you know, the nature of what we do and having CP, you know, it can take different avenues. Yeah. I'm not clubbing like <laughs> do you feel like your mental health is in a good place now i don't know it, right now it's good you know what i'm saying yeah. but i never go with that mm-hmm. it's up and down yep. yeah. and i'm not saying that anybody that's struggling out there you know that there is no struggles i'm just saying that i don't know like that's like a question i never like try to ask myself mm-hmm. yeah. and it's okay not to know mm-hmm. in the early episodes we talked about how we some research and we found out that a lot of people with CP cerebral palsy um struggle or manage anxiety and depression do you feel do you agree with that statement not specific it doesn't have to be specifically for you but in general if people you know with CP do you feel like it's a common thing so I didn't know a lot of people with CP mm-hmm. like I said that's the first time I'm in the room with that I can be conscious of that I'm with in the room with other people with CP more than one other person so i would say i would say that my anxiety would be normal i would be nervous of course if there was like a tight tight spot it was like can i walk through that spot or can i you know like that would be more my anxiety uh funny story or a funny way to explain it is like a bar stool most people walk around they don't look at that bar stool i look at that bar stool like it's an olympic trial like it's a pole vault how am i going to get on this bar stool right now without falling or tripping people don't think about it mm-hmm. that bar stool is the most unsturdy thing so you can imagine in the dating scene you're like people i'm like please boo 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 yeah. no we could sit by the bar oh. yeah and i'm looking at that thing and i'm trying to figure out how my 
I'm supposed to maneuver. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you get anxiety from those things, mm -hmm. like going out. Is it going to be tight? Are you going to have space? Is people going to understand if you trip or if you mm -hmm. stumble? And, you know, you just work your way through it. I had good friends. I had good, productively lazy friends. We played video games. It was great. It was great. <laughs> and when we went to the club, we all sure made, you know, we had seats. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I don't even think it was for me. I think it was for them as well. They're like, yeah, yeah, we got seats. But they'll say, yeah, we need it for him. So yeah. it's pretty good. That's, that's question really easy. You just want to know your favorite quotes. You haven't. My favorite quote. Niceness goes a long way, right? That's one of my favorite quotes. And it echoes a long way because you never know who you're going to be nice to. I mean, we got some allies here. Another word I love. We got some friends here, right? So Allison is here. You know, we got Matt in the back. We got Jessica with the Y over there. You know, and they're all, you know, they've all been, you know, kind of friends and you don't know who you're going to be nice to to be introduced. So I met Cherise through Allison. And their meeting was so funny and productive. Hey, I, I was talking to this person and she wanted to meet somebody. But so, and I knew somebody. So let me FaceTime you in the middle of the day. <laughs> hey, how you doing? I want to introduce you to somebody. Oh, here's Cherise. And that led me here. And then Cherise told me about you. And, you know, it went from there. Now I'm here. Mm -hmm. So that was January. So like what, five months later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, that was the last question I had. Unless you have any questions for us. Yeah. So I'll ask. I'll ask you the same type of question. I'll, I'll ask you the anxiety questions. So how did you deal with with anxiety or any challenges you found in relationship or dating scenes or? Okay. Um, actually, I felt similar to what you said about the bar stool because I get that anxiety all the time to this day. Because um, every time I go into a restaurant, I always hope for my friends or the person I'm on a date with to pick the booth. And sometimes they want to sit at the bar. And I'm like, I don't know if I could get on the stool. And it becomes a whole thing. Um, and honestly, that's what anxiety feels like to me all the time, whether it be like a physical obstacle or like trying to have a conversation with somebody who I just met and having to explain everything all over again. Um, or even with my family, too, because they're like some people in my family that don't fully understand what CP is or how it works. And so there's a lot of assumptions. And so having to explain it all the time, it's just like, will anybody ever get it? Or will anybody ever understand? Um, so I think the way that I've chosen to deal with it is trying to go towards acceptance of like, there aren't always going to be people who truly understand you all the time. And that is not your fault. There's a lot of education out there. And if people don't choose to kind of ask the questions or do their research it's not your fault and it's never you can never say that you didn't try you know and that's something that i fought with so hard because it was like how what else can i do what else can i provide what other education can i provide but if i feel like i've done enough i've done all i can so for me it's just all about accepting you know how people are going to choose to view it no matter what you say 
and find peace within that because I know that I do have supporters that have chosen to look into what I'm going through or ask me how they could support me. And when I have love through that, I know I don't have to worry. Oh, I like that. See, and you use that word, I like, support it. See, that's a better word right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I like that. That's, that's a way. My turn? Yep. <laughs> um, I, I would agree a lot with Teresa. Uh, I was in the dating scene. So not anymore. <laughs> dating, you know? um, but when I was dating, so you have the normal. Okay, you, you know, you have like, oh, you know, like, is this person going to like me? Or... Am I wearing the right dress or the right outfit or, you know, what are we going to talk about? But I think for me, another layer of anxiety or worry was, um, where are we going to go? Am I going to be able to find a seat? Like, is this going to be a bar? Am I going to have to stand, you know? Um, are they going to ask me too many personal questions on the first date? Um, you know, am I wearing comfortable shoes? So just in case we're walking in Times Square, these are things I really thought about. And I kind of over over for seven you know thought about it and it made the dating really more anxiety provoking than enjoyment mm-hmm. yeah. um so that's a lot of the things i thought about and then when i when i went on a couple of days where i had other boyfriends like i think it was the general like am i good enough that i think everybody thinks about it mm-hmm. um but i think when you have cp it's another layer like because there's something physical that people see 24 7. so yeah. i think i thought about it Maybe a little more than, mm-hmm. than a person might think about it. Um, and I agree with Therese having people. I mean, I, I have a relationship with God too, and that's a big uh, stability for me. But like also having friends, supporters around me, um, really good people that see beyond my struggle, it's really helped. Um, it's really added to my self esteem, you yeah. know. Um, and I have great parents, even though they're, you know, you know, can be difficult sometimes. The relationship but i have great parents that really instill like knowing who i am and knowing like loving myself and accepting mm-hmm. myself and that's always been a continuous journey like just because i was raised that way doesn't mean that every day i accept who i am and i love who i am i think it's a like i tell my clients it's a daily choice that we make to pour into ourselves and accept ourselves more so i would agree a lot with you and you that's true Right. I mean, I like. I mean, those, those were you know great and thought provoking. Um, what other question? Oh, you both work remote. You both work nice, decent jobs. So, how is it doing that and realizing, realizing, knowing or unknowingly that you're beating the odds? Um. Well, you we've talked about this a lot, like. I've always thought that I, like, everybody has to live their life, right? Everybody has to get a job. Everybody got to pay their bills. And I just thought that, like, I didn't see it as, oh, my God, Therese, you're doing such great things. You're going above and beyond. I just knew that I'm getting an education so I could work on my career, so I can live a good life. But when other people see me, I feel like it's portrayed as that because of the CP on top of that. Mm-hmm. But if it was someone that didn't have a disability at all, it's just, I won't say a normal reaction, but it's just like, they're, they're doing great. Like they're doing just fine. Um, so 
I see why people would say like, you know, you've beaten the odds or, you know, you've gone above and beyond because finding employment or getting to where we are because of our disability is very difficult. Um, but I feel like my eyes are opening up to that now. Growing up, my parents always preached that to me, like, you going to school. Like, I didn't have a choice not to go to school. I didn't have a choice to just say, I'm going to just sit at home and do nothing. Like, my parents was like, no, we, we went to school and we went to go get jobs, so you're going to go do the same thing. And so it was a norm for me to just know that I had to work hard. Then my choices for a career had to be different. Yeah, I couldn't say that I'm going to go and get a nursing career because how, how am I going to do a 12-hour shift on my feet, right? So I think the only thing that really I struggled with when it came to education and getting a career was that my choices were limited. And I just felt that that wasn't fair. Like, I think that's what I was angry with because I knew that I could be, I wanted to do so much, but I really had to think about like what I could be capable of doing. And once my, there was one time, like right before I was starting college, like my dad sat down with me and was like, you, you know that, you know that I know that you want to do a lot. And I know that you have ambition, but you have to put your physical first because you don't want to tire yourself out. You don't want to break yourself down. And I was sad. I cried that day, but it was the truth. And I think that was where I struggled. So It was never like, am I going to find employment? It was just more so, damn, like I really have to choose like an office job or I have to choose like, I don't know. Like it, it was just like, I just knew that I didn't have any choices to choose from. But you said you cried, right? Yeah. So how did you turn that into a like, positive thing? Because I know some people will go back into the cave and they'll be like, you know what? I don't even want to do this college thing. Probably I'm, take a, gonna, I'm yeah. not hating on liberal arts, but probably taking like some liberal arts or not having a focus. How did you establish the, the focus? It was hard because I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I didn't even know I wanted to be a therapist like at all. Um, when I went into my freshman year, I was just like, okay, I'm in school. And honestly, my mindset was I'm in school because my parents wanted to be in school. I didn't fully want to be in school. I felt that way too. <laughs> I didn't like, I didn't, I didn't have my reasons. Like everybody in high school was like, yeah, I'm gonna go to college and do this. I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, but I think, I think once I took like a couple of psychology classes, and I watched a lot of movies based on like mental health. I was like, this this seems like very interesting. Like this is something that I could do. Like, do I see myself being a therapist and listening to people's struggles with mental health? And it just went off from there. And then before I knew it, probably by my junior year, I was like, okay, well, I'm in deep now. I took all these psychology classes. I guess I'm graduating with a psychology degree. And then my next thing was, am I gonna go to grad school? Okay, I guess. <laughs> like like that's that was literally my mindset and I think I was <laughs> I was struggling a bit with it because I knew I had to go to grad school because there's no jobs with just getting a BA in psychology you have there's not um but my parents was just like yeah you going like there was no and if or but so you going so I had to go and then I'm doing this now and I love it I really enjoy my job 
Um, do I see myself doing something more? Yeah. Like, I eventually don't see myself doing therapy full time. Like, I see myself dibbling and dabbling in, like, advocacy work, speaking engagement, writing books, doing other things, because therapy as a full-time worker is hard. And I don't see myself doing full-time therapy for, I guess, the longevity of my life. But I'm happy where I am. By the I way, can't... that means 15 to 25 years. <laughs> yeah. who doesn't understand. Yeah. Ten years when we do it for a year and a half and say I'm out and it's too toxic. Mm-hmm. I'm not Gen Z, so I could say job <laughs> is supposed to have some toxicity to it. Remember, it's J O B, and for the biblical people, that's Job. And Job <laughs> had to go through hell before he saw salvation. But I understand Gen Z. I appreciate you guys. You guys go, hey, you know what? I got an interview, and I don't like the vibe in the so I'm not taking the job. And it'd be six figures. You know what I would be doing for six figures? They would have told me to do a 40-yard sprint, and I would have already started running. How fast you wanted to go. But I understand. I understand. People got to be out there and, and yeah. be independent. And that that's going to be your role. You're going to be the new independence. You know? Yeah. I'm yeah. under the old independence. I need to. I want a job. That's what I strive for. I wanted a job and I wanted to work. And that's yeah. that's what I looked at. But Gen Z, I'll be watching. <laughs> Charlie. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. For me, I guess when I was born with the disability, my mom really instilled like you were still gonna be amazing. Like you weren't gonna let it stop you or prohibit you or, or stop you from doing what you wanna do or what you're called to do. Um, so I went to school. It was it was rough. It was rough. Um, when I got to college, I don't know. I at first I wanted to be a doctor, and I never. I mean, maybe a part of me questioned whether my disability would affect that, but I never honestly thought that my disability would stop uh, because I was born in my in my house with my mom and my dad. I was told that there was always a way to do something. There was always a way to figure it out. So I took that same thought process and I put it in my college career. So yeah, I, I knew it was going to be more difficult to be a doctor or a nurse because I was going between those two. But I never, honestly, I never thought that I couldn't do it. I love because that. my mom, when you meet her, you will understand. She's like, whatever you want to do, whatever you're called to do, there's a way to do it regardless. Um, the only reason why I changed to social work was because I just wasn't getting the grades, honestly, <laughs> um, in chemistry and um, those kind of things. And I, I really took that as a sign, like, okay, this is, like, I always feel like, you know, the world, God gives you, like, pushes you in different directions, you know? And I just felt like, okay, you know, I wasn't really loving it anymore. So I was like, okay, God, what do I do? So I started dibbling, dabbling in different, you know, because I was doing my liberal arts, I was doing dabbling in different classes, and I stumbled across sociology, and I was like, this, it just, you know, when you find something, it just feels right, yeah. and it felt like I should be there, so I finished the career, and it wasn't easy, it was hard, yeah. it was hard mentally, it was hard physically, it was hard spiritually, but I knew Oh, 10 years into the profession, 
I mean, yes, people are like, oh, you're so amazing. You, you, you've broken so many like ceilings and, and you're such an inspiration and I'm grateful for it. I've learned to accept the compliments more because when I was younger, I would always push it away and say, oh, no, no, no. You know, I'm not saying I don't do that occasionally now, but I really try to accept it because it's important to feel that other people notice you, yeah. but I don't. I never was doing it for recognition. I was yeah. doing it because I knew I was supposed to. Exactly. So now, exactly. when I get the opportunity to pour into people, my clients, or pour into people like Cherise, or other people that come into my life, for whatever reason, I really find it as a blessing. I really find it like an honor because I never walked into this, this profession thinking, I'm, oh, I'm amazing. Yeah. You know, I'm amazing because I was able to go through surgeries and go through near-death experiences and still have a profession. Sure. I know that's how people see me, but that's not how I see myself. I'm here because I'm called to be here. Exactly. Um, and so I really see it as an honor. To, and I'm, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful to be working from home. Like, I, I prayed for that for years. <laughs> I used to live, I tell Shabiz all the time, in Brooklyn and travel all the way to the Bronx. And work oh. a 12 hour, yeah, 12, 13 hour shift. Open the clinic, close the clinic, leave my house at 5 o'clock in the morning. I said, God, if you could just like, shift this, I will do whatever you ask me to do in my profession. And he was there. So I, I'm so happy. I'm so, I would never go back to 95. <laughs> it's the best decision I've ever made. I'm not saying it's not hard. Yeah. There are days I'm like, oh, I'm done with this, you know? But there were, I mean, I'm so grateful. And I really see it as an honor to be able to be in this profession and help people to come after me. And that was for, before the pandemic. Yeah. Like she said uh -huh. ten years, so don't you know, we can't blame everything on the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Telehealth workers was a thing before the pandemic, guys. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people don't know that, but it was. It's just the pandemic just brought it more to light, but like Charlie said, I love working oh, telehealth. It's the best. <laughs> oh, to be able to take breaks and go outside, walk your dog, yeah. stay in the park for lunch, mm -hmm. come back, see a couple of more sessions, you know. Yeah. And be able to turn on the TV. Yeah. And just feel that's, that's that's an amazing feeling. Or like me, you just stay in front of the laptop whether I have it or not, you know. You know. I was doing that sometimes and it physically kinda of messed me up because like I wouldn't move and then I'll be tight. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh that's what I learned to like oh that's something like I physically have to be more like move more than I did when I worked at nine because yeah. I I gained so much weight like physically. Yeah. Now I'm doing better, guys. I'm really good. Really <laughs> really um, but that's one thing that that's I learned. Oh, that's true. That's why I got the wild shit on so they can um, tell me to get up. Yeah, yeah. have the steps. Because yeah. that I mean that's a real thing. I mean I'm working on the cheeks, people. I'm working on the cheeks. It'll be a little bit lower soon, but other than that, I mean yeah. Moving around, but I just like remote work, so I can't really. I, do. I can't. I do. And the the, the productivity that you can get from it, you know, it's not for everybody. No. So it's no. not for the people I who do. like to have Sometimes when people come into my home, because my office is in my, my my little corner in my room, they be like, I don't know how you work full time from home. Like I need to be outside, and I don't care. Like, cause the only time I want to be outside is when I'm off. Mm -hmm. I can't be outside if I'm working. <laughs> yeah. You know, and um, like most times I'm outside in the summer. Like the winter, I could stay home and work, and it could be snowing, and I don't have to go outside. That's is that amazing when it's like. <laughs> 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 
you know. No um, snow days, no snow days no. here. Yeah, that's true. We're, no snow days. No uh, not anymore. No day. I don't get sick days anymore because I don't work around the five. Yeah. That's hard. That's hard. Yeah. Like if I have to take over the day, I do, but then I don't get paid. Yeah. Oh, that's challenging. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, see, that's one. That's one of the nice remote work, you know, and pacing yourself. Um, you don't want to be there. You leaned over like this, and sometimes I'm leaned over yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. And then uh, one of the last question. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to figure it out as I go. See, I didn't have no fancy phone or nice question. So um. All right, so we asked the dating question. We asked the working question. Yeah. But in the end, what, what keeps you getting up in the morning? That's a good question. That's a good question. You see, you thought you were going to hit me with the tough one. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, no, it was great. It was great. It was great. But, yeah. That's a good um, question. Want me to go first? Yeah, you can. Because I don't have my I think, honestly, it's a number of things. <laughs> I think definitely it's my relationship with God. I don't, I look at it more of a, a relationship as a religion because I really feel like, you know how you know like your friend or you know like your partner, like that's how I feel like I know God. And I feel like he, he gives me strength and purpose and motivation daily. So when I feel like giving up, I, you know, I'm like, okay, like, I'm here for a reason. I, you know, I have a purpose. I have a I'm meant to t touch all these people in this room and more, you know. Um, that's one of the big reasons. I think another thing is my family. Um, now, we don't always have a great relationship, you know, every family struggles, but they are my heart. Like, they have been there for me through thick and thin in ways other people have not. So, I, I really want to keep going for them to pour into them just as much as they pour into me. And then, of course, it's my friends, you know, and my partner. Like, those are people that, like, people that motivate me, people that can, like, hey, Charlene, we know you're having a hard day, we know you're anxious, we know you're depressed, whatever, but, like, remember who you are. You know, people that can remind me of who I am when, I, when I'm struggling. Because, yes, I'm a positive person, but that doesn't mean I don't have anxious days or depressed days or angry days or, or, or lonely days. And sometimes you just need that call or you need that hug or you need that prayer from someone that says, hey, it's a hard day and it's okay, but we're here to help you get through it, you know? Um, so that that's what helps me get through it. Cool. I'll answer, my la I'll answer yeah. mine's last. So. Oh, okay. This was a higher one for me because it's a little bit emotional for me because I poured so much energy into doing everything because I was the older sister. And everything was about my siblings, my siblings. Like, because I started realizing at, when they got to a certain age, like they were really paying attention to everything I was doing. Um, everything. And I was like, damn, they're, like, they're really watching me. So if I do something wrong, they're going to pick up on it. So then they became my motivation for all. And they still are. Like, they're such great kids. And I want them to see me do good so that they know they could do even better. You know? And. And I always tell them, like, you, I want you to push yourself. And I know that they will. But I started realizing that I was putting too much emphasis on letting other people motivate me and them, other people being my reason, that I, didn't, I wasn't doing anything for me. And someone in grad school reminded me of that because um, we were talking about 
if we ever felt like if we dealt with the mental health ourselves and we, if we ever felt really depressed and I talked about it multiple times on the podcast like I've had really bad depression when I was younger so it got really bad to the point where I was feeling suicidal when I was younger and the person asked me so what made you get out of it and I was like I didn't want to put my brother and sisters through the trauma but they were like were you talking about your brother and sister you don't want to get yourself like you don't have nothing for yourself and I really didn't like I was just like what me what do you mean me I had to take the time to think about it um now I feel like I could finally say that I am proud of myself and that's something I never said not even three years ago I didn't say that because everybody was saying they're proud of me and I was like yeah but I'm not doing enough like there's still so much for me to do I'm not proud yet but I am like I found proudness in the little things I was doing because I felt like I wasn't giving enough effort in the small things um and now that every time I just look at myself, I'm like, you're really doing your thing, and I want you to keep going. And I don't, I'm so proud of myself for even saying that because I don't, I don't talk to myself enough like that or ever before. And now I do. I do want to give credit to my supporters, like my friends, my family. They love me endlessly, and you, Charlotte, like you love me to the ends of the earth. I say that all the time. You know, I mean, you could see it right here on camera. Yeah, you could see the love between them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she, she, she was really that push. You know, and I, and I know all these people love me, but I needed to learn how to love me. The love other people weren't giving me was enough, and that, that, that shows you how like deep depression can be if you do not like find the love within yourself because people can support you but that's not enough so me i motivate as soon as i wake up in the morning i'm like so there trust me like the first thought is like oh i don't want to get up this morning right but it's like i think about all the stuff i have to do today and i think about how i'm going to do it and i'm like all right if you can think about how you're going to do it you can get up to do it and it's okay like let's just take it one step at a time and before we know it the day's gonna be over and we could go back to resting or what we have to do to just rejuvenate ourselves for the next day and that's what i do i think you would i mean i'll go with you but i think I, I see the confidence in you. Yeah. you and I'm not saying nobody's perfect, right? Nobody's works with confidence 24-7. But I can see the growth and how much you like love yourself and accept yourself. Yeah. You know, and I've seen it. I'm proud of you. Thank you. See, that's why I told you we both had to sit on the same side. <laughs> so when the hug mode comes, you know. Um, well, I know the common theme is that we had supporters. I had support. I still have supporters. Um, to get out of the drugs. When I say drugs, I mean like the real trenches of it all. Um, it's really hard because I have a mixture of you. My wife will ask me that question. What do you want to do? You know, I have you know relatives that says, "What do you want to do?" And it's like the hardest thing to answer. I'm like, "Do I really want to do anything?" Yeah. But sometimes I'm not even thinking about anything really to do. So having an urge to do something, like this podcast, for example, that was technically six, 
five months in the making, right? <laughs> and every day something happened. And personally, I thought that cloud that came over, I said, okay, you know what? Saturday's done. This cloud was in, the sky was red, Armageddon was coming, and then, you know, everybody said, yo, everybody I said, told me before, you know, I should do a podcast. And I'm like, I'm not doing a podcast. I don't know anybody with a podcast. And then, you know, you had a podcast. Yeah. And you had a podcast. And then you bring me in there and I'm looking at it like, okay, I might as well do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so. And I tell you, Dave, I know you don't like to believe me, but you influence people all the time. You just don't know it. Okay. I tell you every day because you just don't know who you're influencing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know either. Okay. Sometimes I hear from my friends like, Yo, Sharice, you motivated me to do this. And I look at them like, what, me? So you never know. Oh, yeah, but the motivation part is kind of like what Charlene was talking about, right? It's almost like you kind of don't see it. Yeah, you don't. And then if you do see it, are you seeing it because you're in this, this like the disability? But those people who you influence will tell you, we didn't see you as that anyway. Uh-huh. And then it always, now that mental health part is kind of funny. We didn't see you as this, but inside your head, you're thinking about it a certain way. Uh-huh. You're feeling a certain way. Uh-huh. But they say they never see you like it. So it's like, what game? It's like uh, looking in a funny mirror, you know? It's true. You know, so it's very interesting. It's it's very interesting. What gets me out of bed is thinking about who I got to talk to, what I got to (laughs) do. And the other thing is like, hey, do I want to clean my room? Do I want to put anybody through any agony? I don't think I want to do that. You know, so like I said, you turn on Lincoln Park, they do they do all the singing for you, and sometimes a little bit of Queen, you know, (laughs) you know, and now these Afro beats, and we're you know going pretty good. Yeah, one more. I don't think I think the answer I think I answered mainly all the questions. Well thank you for coming out. I hope you sure. come on more often. <laughs> you know what? If you want to put me on the spot, I'll come on more. I'll yeah. <laughs> you're right, you're right there. I'll come on more often. See, see a follow up. You remind if they post a question you want to answer, you know. How you yeah. We appreciate all the theme from the supporters. You know, we got supporters, we got friends. I like this guy Matthew, he reminds me of all my friends over here. He's like, <laughs> we had some great oatmeal cookies, you know, catering staff. We had makeup, Allison on makeup, we gotta shout them all out. We gotta shout them all out. Now we got Charlotte, you know, the mascot. She's somewhere, oh, she's cooling out. See? <laughs> we really appreciate everyone. Yeah. And and you guys too for sticking with us and you know being patient and now like you said we're back and welcome to you every month. Thank you guys for tuning in. Look out for the next episode. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye.